This is the Stop Time Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Hopkins, and I'm here to engage you in thought-provoking motivational conversations around practicing the art of living in the moment. I'm a certified life coach, and I'm excited to dig deep and offer insights into embracing who we are and where we are at. The 14 artists featured in the New York Times' Biggest Breakout Stars of 2019 were described as daring, defiant, and unwilling to be watered down. My next guest is one of these featured artists. She was named a 2019-2020 Fellow at Radcliffe Institute for Advanced Study at Harvard University, where she will be writing her next theatrical work. She recently collaborated with the legendary Latin jazz composer Arturo O'Farrell, premiering a show at the Joyce Theatre to rave reviews and sold-out audiences. Hailed by the legendary Gregory Hines as one of the top young tap dancers in the world, her work is rooted in the expression of identity, culture, language, and communication. She has been called a dance warrior, activist, New Yorican, and an all-around badass, and describes herself as, quote, an artist with pretty cool rhythmic tendencies. Her name is Ayadeli, and it is Yoruba, for Joy Comes Home. It's with great pleasure that I introduce my next guest, Ayadeli Cassell. Ayadeli, it's so great to have you here on Stop Time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So where are you spending most of your time these days? Uh, well, most of the inside my house, where I am currently, <laughs> um, in New York, in the Bronx. Um, I did get an opportunity recently to visit my mom and my stepfather in Puerto Rico uh, for about three weeks, which was much needed, and I loved that. But for the most part, I've been here in New York. That's great. Hey, it's been almost seven months now since Broadway shut down. Do you remember where you were? Yeah, you know, I had been on seven planes between February 24th first or so until like March 4th. I was in, I had just done my lecture at Harvard and I was in New Mexico. I went to Tennessee for something else. And then I went to uh, Miami to work with uh, Young Arts. And right around that time is when things were starting to sort of cook up COVID. And um, when we landed on March 4th, I was like, I think we need to like hunker down. So we kind of like hunkered down, we, my wife and I hunkered down like before it was like officially declared a pandemic, but yeah. I, so I was here, I was here in the Bronx. Uh, I just come back from Miami. Wow. What was your first concern? Well, my first concern was, do we have everything we need? Are we prepared? Secondly, I was still in Cambridge because I was, you know, my fellowship year wasn't supposed to end until June. So I had all of, not all of my stuff, but a good portion of my belongings were in Cambridge in an apartment. And so I was thinking like, how is this going to work? How am I going to be able to get that? Like just the logistics of, I don't want to pay double rent. How, what is happening? Happening was my first thought too. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, I, I was thankfully was really, really, really fortunate um, that I did not, even though a lot of work was canceled, um, I was still under a fellowship. So technically I still had a stipend and I was, you know, I finance, finances weren't a concern in that way. Um, I'm really grateful for that because I know so many artists and so many people, not just artists in the country were thrown into, um, you know, despair financially. So um, that really wasn't an issue, but, um, yeah, really mostly I just wanted to make sure that my mind stayed uh, 
as clear as possible and that I, you know, and that health, that my health was intact. Because the truth is, is as, we, as you, as you know, I'm sure, you know, like your, your emotional stress can really lead to physical, um, like disease. And so I really didn't want to put myself or my family or my wife in a situation where, you know, we had, we had something to contend with. I wasn't there before. Yeah, no, 100% makes perfect sense for sure. I'm curious to know what kind of strategies you use to keep your mind staying clear, as you said, and your health intact. I mean, I'm sure it's a concern that we all share and continue to worry about. You know, I feel like I always consider myself a radical optimist. So I felt like, you know, I, I was actually very grateful to have the break to sit down. Like, so the idea of not having to go in place was um, actually a blessing to just, you know, um, and then also to really like live in gratitude of what um, my current circumstances were. So like, for example, even though we were like indoors, the fact that I have a place, uh, the fact that, you know, I had, you know, a backyard in a, you know, in a, on a nice dock that I could like, that the birds were coming to visit more frequently that, um, oh, I had like a little like robin's nest here was actually really exciting. <laughs> um, you laugh, but it's really true. I was so like, it was really helpful to, to witness like nature and life in a time where it seemed like everything was like standing still and to see that still going was like really, um, I don't know, it was really uh, helpful. Uh, and then, but I think, yeah, just like having faith, you know, um, chanting helped, uh, knowing that everything will pass and that, you know, we, we can get to the other side of it. Um, and that, and, and in challenging moments, they're there for a reason to make you talk and to make you think, make different choices or, or be happy with your choices that you've made, whatever it is. So for me, it was actually like, I don't know. I just have like trust and faith and optimism that it all will work out. And I think that really got me through, you know, a lot. And also we watched a ton of comedies. Like I tried when I realized that uh, the new bringing my anxiety level up, we decided to counteract that with watching things that actually made you feel good. And so for a, a little while, it was that it was, you know, let's uh, bring positive things into the space. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I'm so glad you brought up the radical optimism because um, I read that in your profile. Um, and I'm curious to know how you developed that and and when. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's probably been part of me since I was a child that, you know, um, just wanting to uh, kind of look for like the happiness and things and the joy. I mean, my name does mean joy has arrived in Yoruba, so <laughs> I think I probably was anointed with it at birth. Um, but I think, um, yeah, I, I think it's a practice that I've just really been intentionally developing. I would say since I was in my 20s, when I was like really delving into writings and teachings about peace and, and, um, and, and grace. And I don't know, I think I've just been intentionally trying to live like that. I always feel like, you know, free will, we have a choice. We have a choice to either, you know, um, look at something negatively or positively, or like to, you know, put your energy in one or the two directions. And so I always feel like if I do have a choice and I'm going to take my chance on the things that um, are, are for me 
to to succeed and to win and to be healthy and to be prosperous and to be all of those things. And so I, I, I it's, it's just a practice that I've developed over like literally more than half of my life. Yeah, that's amazing. And it sounds like it has really served you well. It It speaks so directly to the kind of work I do as an energy coach. I mean, we can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we can respond. Absolutely. Yeah. And it sounds like it's served you really well. Is there anything that threatens your radical optimism? What might come up against it? Politics, <laughs> uh, social injustice, racial inequity, like all of these things challenge my radical optimism. And yet, and yet, the idea I love about the word radical is that it is, it is defiant and, and in the face of any adversity. You know? And so um, when the, those things uh, come into play, which they will inevitably, right? Um, it's, it's really important to stay focused, you know, um, and to not get derailed. And sometimes it's hard, you know, sometimes you have to have the moment of like that frustration, that thing where you just want to like you know, scream and, you know, throw things, but, uh, it's, it, it doesn't serve, it doesn't serve moving forward, like with any kind of productivity. So what is your definition of living in the moment? Um, my definition of living in the moment is really, uh, it's actually tied to what we were just talking about. I think you have to uh, fully recognize the power that we hold and have just by being alive. Yeah, of just life itself. Like I, I always feel like as long as you wake up and you breathe, then you have an opportunity to do whatever it is that you need to do or want to do. And so for me, uh, to live in the moment is to recognize that power and to move forward accordingly, you know, um, and like one foot in front of the other one, follow the crumbs, follow the leads. I mean, we always get signs every day we wake up, there's a sign, you know, a spiritual sign of, as to what we're supposed to do, what, how the day's going to go. And, and, and oftentimes we have the power to, like, to how that goes, you know, let's say you, you, you slept wrong, you decide that just because you slept oh, on the wrong side of the bed or you didn't get enough sleep that you're going to have a terrible day. Well, then so it is. That is going to be your day, right? But once again, you have choice, right? Um, so I don't know. I feel like literally understanding the power that we have to create the life we want from, and I mean that from like how our day goes to any big plans um, is really... I don't know, it's a really beautiful kind of react to good. It's nice. I like that. I like knowing that. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm hearing that there's an element of trusting the process, a real kind of faith in trusting the process. Am I hearing that right? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Trust says trusting where you are in the moment, like not concerning yourself where you want to be in two or three years, really, I mean, yes, have maybe an end goal, but you know, sometimes those goals that shifts. Do you think that if you know where you want to go, right, that is just, that's, it's a given, it's there. You don't need to like, uh, I don't think you need to do anything else other than have that vision. And then today just do the task that is in front of you, you know, and to trust that when you put one foot in front of the other, when you 
you know, take whatever steps that you need to take that you'll eventually get to your, you know, your destination. Um, so that to me is what, yeah, living in the moment is. I, I really like, I like the idea of focusing on this moment, like the idea that I said about having power, like having, recognizing the power that you have in this moment, mm-hmm. which is different than not worrying about the past, not worrying about the future, because now you're talking about, you're, you're taking the, the, the focus out of this moment, right? By doing, by even bringing even those words in power of the moment. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's so fascinating to me, you know, and part of the reason I think why I, why I called this, aside from the obvious, you know, tap dancer plan of stop time, is, is that I'm so interested in that moment before you do something. You know, the, the moment that you feel something, right? You know, so you think the thought, you feel the feeling, mm-hmm. and then you take the action, right? So sort of the thought, emotion, action model. I'm yeah. So in that moment in between, well, in between all of them, to be honest, but, but particularly the one before you actually do what you're going to do. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, and for me, I would say, like, I mean, my relationship to improvisation has... Uh, has grown exponentially over the years and uh, as a practitioner of tap dancing and as you know for people who are listening obviously tap dancing is a very highly improvisational art form Um, and I remember when I was younger I would try to uh, I was not living in the moment I was trying to manipulate the outcome or Mm -hmm. or control how what my expression was or to like have a, a preconceived idea of what or how something was gonna go once I hit the stage, or once I started to practice, whatever. And so, and I have I have found that in those years and in those times, those were the least enjoyable experiences. <laughs> it were, those were the performances where I left feeling like, oh, why did I do that? Why did I say I didn't do this? I didn't do that. I didn't do the other. And it was because I just wasn't I wasn't being present, you know, and I wasn't responding to what the moment was telling me or uh, and and what it was requiring. And now, and I would say in the last six, seven, maybe even eight years of, of being an improv, of, of improving, I have found such freedom because I don't have any expectations because I have faith and I trust that my technique, my experience, my um, intention uh, is setting me up well for the moment. And so when I go on stage, it is what it is. And, um, and I accept what it is, uh, and that's that. And I always, almost always now, end up feeling really satisfied with the experience and the exchange that I have with musicians or with an audience or with myself, you know? Um, and I think when, when we go into, if the goal is to really be present, then you have to be open to what is. <laughs> You know, and not concerned with what is not happening, because then you know what I mean. Oh yeah, so so very valid with what you what you described. I mean, you know, not, which is not to say, oh, if you want to improvise, you're going to go out and just you know throw everything away. You can do that if you've done the the work, and if you you know if you have something to draw from your you know and exactly yeah. So with one being not true at all and 10 being absolutely true, how true do you believe the principle, life is a perfect adventure, a game that cannot be won or lost, 
only played? Uh, it's so funny because I guess I've never really, I don't often think about uh, life in that way. So let yeah. me think about this. But yeah. see, um, it can't be one only play. Yeah, I don't think that, like, I think if you're alive, you're winning. So I would say, <laughs> you know, it's not about, uh, Interesting. I don't know. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Okay, what about, what if we were to break it down? What do you think about life as a perfect adventure? Is that easier? I mean, perfect, what is perfection? Look at me, <laughs> I'm yeah. going to be existentialist. What is perfection? Um, I, I, I do think life is a wonderful adventure. I don't know if, I, I, I think I maybe take, maybe I take, I would have to get into what the word perfect is. And, I, and, um, and I'm, cer I'm certain that in, in certain religions, like, you know, uh, may, maybe like perfection is, is absolute in that, yeah. you know, everything is perfect. So I love if I were to go with that philosophy, I would say, I would say, yeah, life is a perfect, um, is a perfect adventure. But um, I do think that word might, might shift things. Um, mm -hmm. I think life is for sure an adventure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to make it as perfect for us as we possibly can be, you know? Yeah. Words are just so important, right? And the words that people use and that, and how, mm -hmm. how it triggers people. And we choose, we choose what mm -hmm. words to say, don't we? You know, and there's that whole thinking before you speak. And, yeah. I mean, words are really powerful, I'm, you know? Yeah. No, they really, really are. No, I was going to, I wanted to ask you, what gets you up in the morning? What excites you? You know? Are you a morning person? <laughs> oh, um, I, I am. I like, I, I love, I love getting up. <laughs> I love that I can get up. Um, no, I do. I, I, I like mornings, uh, but I would, as I mentioned before, I was in Puerto Rico uh, for like three weeks and the sun just like is really bright very early. So like at 6 a.m., you know, 5.30, 6 a.m., it's already like, you know, full, full, fully full. And I love that. It is like one of my favorite, favorite times of the day. Um, even here in New York, where uh, I loved, even during the pandemic time, like I would, I have a room in the front of the house that's just like, our, it's like our office. And I would go in there, I would get up early and roll out the yoga mat and like the stretch or just sit. And I, I like the, that, that things are just beginning to stir up or they haven't stirred up yet. So there's like a kind of a, a peace and a quiet associated with it. So um, for me, lately, I, I love not, I love not knowing what is going to happen in that. I love that I, that there, there's possibility for magic in every day and that you might go to bed that day and have experienced something that you, you know, whether it be a phone call or an email or an, you know, whatever, a job offer, or, uh, you know, you, you heard from a friend that you haven't spoken to in a long time. Like there's so many things that, that can happen that are really great that you didn't even account for. And, and that to me um, is an exciting game to play. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I'm curious, what, what scares you? Scares me. I don't know. That's a, you know, that's a, I, you know what I love about that question is that it's not, uh, it's not something that I entertain often fear. Um, and yet I would be, you know, lying and, you know, saying that, 
that I haven't had things that are scary, but I just don't entertain it so frequently. And so it's not something that's off the tip of my tongue, you know? Um, I would say, I think what you, can I say what used to scare me? Yeah, for sure. Um, what used to, what used to scare me and doesn't anymore was the idea that I would have lived a life that had either no meaning or made no impact. Um, and, and, and I don't feel like that anymore, <laughs> you know? Um, so that makes me feel really fulfilled in this moment, you know? Um, I think about... I don't know. I, I I think it's kind of good that I don't have it off the tip of my tongue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's your radical optimism, isn't it? And sitting here now with perspective, you can see that you did feel that way, but you no longer have the fear. Do you have a sense now why that is, why you felt that way then, that maybe you wouldn't make a contribution? When I think about like my either like, personal heroes or I think about like, uh, yeah, the people that I, that I admired and looked up to um, and I, and I felt the impact that they had on me, um, you know, people like Gregory Hines and he's the one person that really, really comes, comes to mind um, professionally, artistically. I, I felt as if though, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just wondered, I just wondered, will I, would I ever make a mark like that? Um, would what my, what seemed at the, you know, what was my calling or what really moved me and brought me joy, you know, was it enough to be a citizen of the world? Was it enough to be an artist? You know, I'm not like curing cancer. I'm, you know, I'm dancing and choreographing and, you know, performing. Um, is that enough? Is that enough for people? Is that important to, um, how does that contribute to, to, to society, to the world, like, how, does it, does it matter? Like all of these things I was, you know, um, just sort of grappling with. Mm. And yeah, I mean, so, and, and obviously, I mean, I, I do feel like that now when I see my students who are like grown and, you know, um, and successful and, and, and to, to, to see them react to me now, like, and, and how they feel, they felt very supported and they felt, you know, loved and encouraged and, and I, and I feel, it makes me feel good to know that I was a part of that for them, you know, so that they can go and, you know, be their best selves in their lives. And, um, and when I started doing, when I, I, you know, I remember when I wrote my show at, that I performed at Spoleto Arts Festival in 2017, and to have so many people from varied, varied, you know, life paths and experiences and gender and, you know, race come up to me and, and see themselves in my experience and mm. how it opened and illuminated something for them, uh, then I started to really, really, truly, um, I don't know, I, I started to feel like I was on, on the right path. Yeah, amazing. When I'm listening to your story and thinking about the fears you had, I can clearly hear the gremlin or the inner critic saying, gosh, you'll never be that good. And yet standing on the precipice of taking that leap, becoming an artist. Mm -hmm. Was there some doubt about whether being an artist was enough in your life purpose? Yeah, it's interesting. Yes, you got to the word that I was that I was thinking, which is about purpose. So I think when I was maybe when I first started dancing, I thought 
yeah, am I ever going to be really good or good enough? You know, for sure, yeah. there was that sort of, you know, of what's the point? Like, do I do I really do this? Like, can I be as good as, as I want to be? That was certainly something that uh, when I was younger, much younger, um, came into my head. Um, I, I never wanted to be anything else other than, a, than an artist, than an artist or a performer or an actor or a dancer. So it wasn't that I didn't see the uh, fulfillment in, the, in, in being an artist. But I think that I hadn't connected it yet with pur a purpose beyond the immediate gratification I was getting. Um, and I think that's something that came much later. Like when you're young, I mean, I don't know, I'll just speak for myself, but when you're young, you're just like concerned with a, like learning, you're learning the thing and then you're uh, navigating the culture of the thing. And then you are l trying to be like self, you know, like sustainable. Like, can I pay my rent? Can I eat <laughs> doing yeah. this thing? Um, and there's that survival sort of mode. Um, but it's pretty much like me, I had this need to express and I'm going to, that's what art is, right? It comes from, uh, you know, it starts from within, it starts from ourselves. But I think that um, what I was starting to question was like, okay, what is the purpose though? What is my purpose? What is my purpose in, in doing this, you know? And that is something that has come, that clarity is something that has come over time. I think once, once I locked into that, everything has sort of opened up, you know? Yeah. It, it sounds like you were able to connect what you were doing, which was something you were passionate about and committed to, but with a value of yours. And I'm curious to know what value that was that you connected it to, mm -hmm. to, to assign purpose to, you know, in connection to what you're doing. Well, I, you know, um, you know, when we speak about um, doctors, for example, like everybody, anybody can say, oh, they're, their purpose, they're here to heal to, you know, to heal people, you know, um, it's a very clear and important purpose, right? Um, you know, and I think uh, with artists, it's, it's different. And it, it, it you know, it, it, it can be different for me, personally, I think that uh, my, my connection is that this, this isn't a gift equal to that of being able to heal, equal to that of being an incredible mathematician and who, you know, become an engineer and architect and whatever, you know, whatever stock market, whatever it is, um, Steve Jobs, whatever. Um, I think that for me, this purpose of, of dancing, this tap dancing is really connected to uh, my obsession with the communication and self-expression and being able to be fully seen for who you are, um, to be yourself uh and to and to share that unapologetically um to share your joy and to show the spectrum of what human emotion validate our experiences and our story and it's one of the reasons why I, my work contains uh words and it contains it contains all of the things because i feel like it's a life um and my life matters and if my life matters so does yours you know uh so yeah. yeah, no, that's beautiful. What I'm hearing from you is your value of expression, expressing yourself, your value of opening up opportunities for people to mm -hmm. unleash their own, right? The moment almost stands out. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't just one moment, but you did, you did describe that particular um, moment where people were giving you feedback about your one woman show in, in, in the festival, right? So, what was it about sort of, not necessarily that particular moment, but that time in your life when you started to listen and to, to look differently at, at what you were doing? Because you didn't really change what you were doing. What gave you the perspective to see it differently and to understand what your purpose 
was through the dance. Well, I think what, what was really clear then, especially because that particular show did um, sort of chart my experiences up to that point in my life. But I think the aha moment was to realize that um, what I was, I was giving an offering of myself, <laughs> literally to, you know, and sharing that with an audience. And I did not alter or manipulate those experiences or, you know, I was literally as authentic and as raw as you could be. And to know that I was enough just like that. I didn't have to play into um, any other version of what I thought maybe somebody wanted me to be, or I don't have to dance like this person or act like that person or write like this person or perform like that other person that, that I literally like that my life and my who I am and how I am is literally enough. And it sounds so cliche and so true. It's like to know that it was literally my me <laughs> that was able to uh, connect with so many people of varied backgrounds that, yeah, that made me realize the, the value in, in authenticity. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that is crystal clear. The, auth the authenticity of it. That is a vehicle of like you're trusting yourself, loving yourself. I mean, it's not cliche. It's so much easier. It's so much easier. I don't know if people like, I see people like try to tr twist themselves into a pretzel to be like somebody else or what other. And it's just like, it's so, that's too much work. It's so much better to just really be yourself and operate from a point of, of realness, of, of, of fact. It's holistic. It's, it's, it's not just your tap dancing. It's all of you. It permeates every bit of who you are from my point of view. Yeah. You know, and it does. And it's, and that's, what's beautiful. I mean, your dancing is exquisite and you know, all the work you put into your art and all of that, but at the end of the day, you know, there's lots of people that are really great dancers that put in the work. But at the end of the day, you know, what we're seeing when we see you is you. You know, exactly what you described. Mm. You've, you've taken it, you've honored it, you've given it grace, you've shared it, you've taught it, you've used it as a vehicle to help people. I mean, what you do with young women. I mean, talk about taking your gifts and using them purposely. No, really. I mean, it's, it's really, really beautiful. All right. Thank you. Let's do a little rapid fire. Are you ready? I am ready. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. This is great. Okay, here we go. What makes you hungry? Hungry? Dancing. <laughs> Sad. Mm. Racism. Inspired. Mm. Nature. Frustrated. People who don't listen. Motivated. Watching athletes. <laughs> yeah. Mad. Mm. Ignorance and grateful. Mm. God. <laughs> what, what are the top three things that happened so far today for you? To, of today? Yeah. Man, I, I reconciled my QuickBooks. <laughs> so I got my accounting together. My college friend called me. I spoke to her for an hour today. Um, and I hadn't caught up with her for a little bit, so it was nice to talk to her. And three... This is like a practical thing, but I'm very happy about it. I booked um, a contractor to replace my roof. 
that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what are you most looking forward to? In general? Tell me, tell me what you're most looking forward to today, and then we'll do it in general. What I'm most looking forward to today at this point, let's see, happy hour. <laughs> which will be, which will be soon. Um, and in general, yeah. two things. Um, one is on a personal level, uh, achieving some, you know, achieving sustainability as an artist. Um, is something that I'm really looking forward to. And the other thing that I'm really looking forward to, and, and it's starting to happen more and more day by day, is to see tap dancing uh, being spoken about in so many spaces um, with integrity and pride and appreciation. Mm. Amen. That's awesome. Hi, Adele, thanks so, so much for taking the time to be in the moment with me. I truly appreciate you. Oh, thank you for asking me. I appreciate it. I've been speaking today with Ayadeli Cassell. Stay healthy and happy, everyone, and remember to live in the moment. In music, stop time is that beautiful moment where the band is suspended in rhythmic unison, supporting the soloist to express their individuality. In the moment, I encourage you to take that time and create your own rhythm. Until next time, I'm Lisa Hopkins. Thanks for listening.